Welcome, listeners. This is Jim here on According to Joe. I'm going to be introducing our all-star cast coming up. Most importantly, Joe, who's going to share his opinions tonight. We'll have Emma with the news as well. This is Jim. I'll be your guide here tonight. Joe, how are things going with you? They're doing fantastic, Jim. Things couldn't be better. How about yourself? Uh, very good. I think it did about as well as we could with the weather today. And after a pretty crappy start to April overall. but it Yeah, 50s and sunny today. It was pretty nice. How about up there in the big city? I am struggling a little bit more. I had a big weekend in Champagne, so I'm feeling the effects at age almost 25. I remember those days. A few years ago, <laughs> it was easy, but uh, it's not getting yeah. so. Glad to hear that. Joe and I have it a little more low-key weekends, I think. But, Absolutely uh, right. Uh, first topic, want to go ahead and talk about some of the big news recently has been confirmation hearings. Katanji Brown-Jackson was nominated to replace Justice Stephen Breyer. Way back, uh, I guess, February 25th, 22 members of the U.S. Senate. Joe, you know, you and I watched a, a good deal of those hearings on TV. We did. 11. Let's first talk about what your thoughts are. I think it's uh, it's kind of a joke, really. I think it's the senators kind of just waste people's time asking stupid questions that don't pertain to her her abilities and her, you know, her background. I mean, I don't think that they knew how they were going to vote before they even started, so could have just went a little easier on her and instead of getting their little little snippets for their base it is an odd process there's no doubt about that is a more and more the the different senators use it as some type of time hey i'm going to be on tv and it's they're, uh, they're, they're screaming out to their base yeah correct that's exactly right and it's you know it's, it gets tiresome and, and i'm not saying it's just you no know, it's just this just this time i mean it happened with all of president trump's nominees and it's just the political show that they all put on for their base and on both sides and it gets tiresome i mean i think you just need to look at someone's qualifications i think that's would be the best route instead of senator cruz bringing in his stack of books and asking her to read the children's <laughs> books and i thought that was a little you know unneeded but you know what are you going to do Yes, I've seen some nice little memes of intern in Ted Cruz's office going to the, the Kinkos. You know, yeah, right, right. Get these books blown up and uh, say, let's pick up the, the, the racist kids' parts, basically. It's kind, of, it's, it's kind of silly for the Republican senators to to think they're going to have the same ideology and belief system as a you know more liberal justice nominee, I think is just kind of ridiculous to even think you'd agree with her. So I think you just need to base it on her qualifications as a judge. You said the right word, qualifications. Listening to her resume and her speak, it is clear to me that she is qualified for the position. Has the intelligence. Yeah, I, I think so too, but. Intelligence and background and so on, as it used to be that there was just a matter of respect for whichever party had the ability to to do the nomination. They would, uh, and as long as it was a nominated person that, that had those qualifications, the other party would, would acquiesce. But that is not the current these days. I guess our nearly our entire adult lifetimes, uh, starting in about the 90s, uh, that uh, started to become an issue. Yeah, absolutely. So the country is so polarized now. It's unfortunately, you know, with Congress so polarized, the only people that suffer are, you know, just the everyday citizens. We don't get anything accomplished in Congress anymore. Joe, any other highlights of it along the way? I, uh, I got to admit, I, I got some laughs watching it. There were some, some entertaining parts. If, there, <laughs> if there's one thing about these uh, senators, they are committed with whatever direction they're going with. They are, boy, they are very committed to stick with it for their 10, 20, 30 minutes. There's no question. There's no question about that. They, <laughs> there were some humorous moments. I, I agree with you there. Yeah, all in all, I, I, I kind of got frustrated with the whole process anymore. And it's just, it's too bad that I've come to that because I used to enjoy it. 
I think they've uh, I think they've taken the politics out of politics. Things will come yeah. around. Oh, well, things good. will turn around. I think. Good. Jim. good. There is yeah. a rainbow at some point at the end of this. Hey, let's move on to a yeah, new topic. absolutely right. It's uh, we don't often talk about swimming, but we're going to talk about it today. <laughs> until till uh, these last few weeks, you probably didn't know that the University of Pennsylvania had a swimming program. That uh, they do. <laughs> and one one thing that we learned is that uh, Leah Thomas from the University of Pennsylvania. Participated in the men's the men's team at Penn her freshman and sophomore seasons, then began transitioning uh, using hormone replacement therapy in May of 2019 and came on as a trans woman during her junior year. That year, the Ivy League decided not to participate in sports due to COVID-19. So then Leah did compete on the women's team during her senior year and won the individual women's championship in the 500-meter freestyle. In fact, the three women that finished second, third, and fourth in that very event all competed in the Tokyo Olympics for the USA. So, Joe, it is uh, certainly a polarizing issue across our country. That probably the laws have not caught up yet. What are your thoughts? Oh, no question. It, it really, really bugs me. It really bothers me. I definitely don't think that she should compete against these other women. I think it's, she has a definite advantage. I think every woman in America should stand up and scream, hey, what the hell are you doing? They have been fighting for how many decades for equal rights and and to have this just happen to them. And especially think about the girl that got fourth place, you know, technically she should have got third, in in my opinion. You know, that's my opinion. It, it, it sure. drives me crazy. It really makes me nuts. It's just unfair. And I just I just don't like to see it. We're talking about a swimmer that was ranked very low in the, in the men's side and then comes over to the women's side and now is rivaling some of the speed of Katie Ledecky, one of the most decorated exactly uh, swimmers, right. That's the point. swimmers in the women's game in the, in the history of the event. So fourth-place swimmer was, was uh, Brooke Forty. Uh, I heard an was she, was, she, uh, was she from Virginia Tech? Is that, was that right? She's a Stanford swimmer, so it was Virginia. Oh, Stanford, okay. Vir- Virginia was the second-place swimmer. Uh, she's from Florida, but she attends Virginia. And then the third-place swimmer was from Texas, a Texas okay. swimmer. Emma, I don't know if you saw this picture that basically it showed, you know, Leah Thomas kind of on her own and then the, the, the three of them posing for a picture. That, that just happened to be because they had been teammates. The photographer had chosen to do that, but it really showed this this separation between um, you know, Leah and, and the remainder of them. I don't think they meant for it to be that way, but certainly it was used that way and marketed that way. They took the high road, each of those swimmers did. And, they and did, so, they did. And they, and they were you know, very respectful about it and said, so, you know, she did it within the rules. I don't know that we're necessarily gonna, gonna blame her. She is trying to, to maneuver through her life in the best way that she knows how. And, and good people- for her, by, and good for her for doing that. However, there's a reason there's a reason you don't see many females trying to compete in men's sports programs, especially running, swimming. You know, there's a, there's a reason for that because men have the advantage, you know. Yeah, that's why they're separated sports. And in reality, that's why they're separated. Exactly. Who are we barking at? We're barking at the rule makers. We're barking at, you know, the NCAA decided to pump this issue basically to uh, USA Swimming. USA Swimming decided not to mount any real action on it. So uh, you put, you know, 10, 20, 30-year-old rules in place, and you rode them in a time when uh, rules just need to, need to address kind of how things change. Absolutely right. There's no question. I just, I'm just saying I don't think it should happen again. I mean, it happened now. You, the rules are in place. You, they didn't haven't caught up yet. It just shouldn't happen again. What do you think is the ideal ruling that trans women should have their own sports or that they shouldn't be allowed to compete in sports? 
I think they should have their own division. I would would be I think would be the fairest way. I, I mean, I really I really don't know. I don't really don't know what the answer is. Yeah, I don't either. What I would say, Emma, it's a good question. I talked about uh, Katanji Brown Jackson. Uh, this, <laughs> yeah. this issue actually came up during her her confirmation hearings, and I thought a very interesting question was asked of her. I, I didn't chuckle at it at all. I, they asked, "What is the definition of a woman?" And mm-hmm. she said, "Oh yeah, I did see that." I am not going to answer that. I'm not a biologist. It is a more complicated question and answer than, you know, these days than, than we ever would have thought. And I would say the same thing would focus on if you if you decide now to put some third category in or make four category or something like that, I, I think that would be a mistake at this time. I think that you play in the men's game. Um, that, that tends to be the harder one to compete in. And I think one that is, although complicated, uh, it, takes, it takes people to... A decision maker, a rule maker in a in a sport, you need to step up and make those uh, make those decisions. You have to make those hard decisions, and in the world we live in today, nobody wants to make them. Everyone's worried about stepping on toes and offending people, but unfortunately, someone's got to make the rule. Someone has got to say, "Hey, this is what it is." I mean, I think the thing too is just how difficult logistically that would actually be. If you were say, you know, the solution the solution they come up with is a you a trans women or trans males get their own league and it's divided in that way as you would have to think that the, there wouldn't be a lot of people competing in it, I assume. Okay. Obviously women, men and then funding wise, I don't think you would get enough to fund a, I mean, and I'm making all assumptions here. So I can see how it's logistically very difficult to make that decision. You know, I'd have no idea what is <laughs> the right way to do it or not. No, I don't, I don't. And unfortunately, I don't think anyone does right now. Yeah. You know, they, they, I agree. They don't. Nobody knows what to do. But I just, I, I, I feel bad for the, um, for the swimmers that lost in this in this past race. Yeah, yeah that's clean, fair. I will clean that up a little bit. At least in the national championships of the NCAA, the swimmers are not. It's not a gold, silver, and bronze. Even though it seems so ugly that fourth place Brooke Forty uh, was yeah. was in fourth. They actually do award, uh, what is it, eight or nine. Uh, everybody that makes that that final distance it is awarded an award. Florida stepped up to say that there's their swimmer that came in second, Virginia swimmer. Governor DeSantis, yeah, he, he declared her the winner. Declared her the winner um, in, in Florida land. The reason I would not suggest to have separated events right now just for, for trans swimmers would be, I don't want to create any incentive for someone to make a decision like that for competition's sake. I don't think people would. I would hope not. I would want it to be for, you know, many other reasons and never to win something. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, I wonder if, I feel like what they'll probably end up doing in some capacity is saying that if you're far along enough in your hormonal, your hormone treatments. Like the thing with Leah is she started transitioning, I believe in 2019, she started taking the testosterone suppressants. And again, I don't know exactly how that all works. Then you start taking the estrogen. That doesn't feel like a lot of time between 2019 and 2022 to like have that all be working. Like I feel like if you are far along enough in your hormonal suppressants, I wonder if it does end up becoming a more even playing field. You know, I don't know as body shapes are and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. Yeah, how just muscular muscle structure and it's it's a it's a tough one. I don't know. It's a it's a tough spot. No question. Because yeah. female swimmers' bodies kind of naturally over time start to become like they come. They do have broad, broader shoulders. They do have more characteristics to kind of obviously. You're saying with the, with the hormones, you're saying? No, just like in general. I feel oh, like okay. women swimmers, they do have broader shoulders just because of the like how gymnastics, their bodies like, you, you can tell what a gymnastics person looks like because of the way that they use their muscles right, and the way right. their bodies are shaped. Yeah, you're saying from the training, from the training that they do. and their Yeah, yeah from the training itself, yeah. 
All right, well, good discussion there. Let's talk about our next topic. Two Supreme Court topics this week. Clarence Thomas's wife, Ginny, Virginia Ginny Thomas, an attorney and conservative activist among the disclosures to the select committee for the January 6th attack, text between Ginny Thomas and the White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, which is uh, President Donald J. Trump's Chief of Staff, text from Thomas urging Meadows to overturn the results of the 2020 presidential election, repeating conspiracy theories of ballot fraud. I, I find this to be one of the strangest stories in the news, to be honest with you. I, I don't understand it. I don't know I don't know why she would want to to do anything like that when her husband is the Supreme Court justice and put him in any kind of position. It just blows my mind to be honest with you that she would be that open about it and I mean the the January 6th committee has the text messages. It's, I mean you really can't deny it when they have the the proof. So I just I think it's terrible. It's it's just a terrible thing for our country as well. I don't know how I feel about him. I think he might. I think Justice Thomas will have to recuse himself from certain things that make make the court. Even though it's his wife, it's not him. Again, I, I think there's two parts to this issue. The one part is we're going to do this at some point, Joe. We are going to get a guest on our show that's going to explain to us how they believe that there's voter fraud in the <laughs> right, 2020 right. election. Come on, I know within the last month, month and a half. Wisconsin is still holding hearings to try I saw to verify yeah. the, the election. Let's go through it, ABC, everybody. The one night, yes, it seemed like maybe Donald Trump was going to win. <laughs> yeah. The next day, it appeared, no, he probably is not, because the absentee ballots were strongly going the other way, especially in the urban locations that took the longest account. It's not crazy to think that a bunch of votes that happen to be all 85 to 15 for one candidate because the right. candidate that's getting the 15% down uh, urban markets for the last three years and, and poked fun at them and told them that he was going to send in the National Guard, dared them to beat him in the election, and then they dared to vote. People that are as intelligent as can be on the Supreme Court and their spouses, possibly, at least their spouses we know from this one, are convinced that, that it must be rigged. I just, I, Joe, I, I'm, I'm not taking your spot on the soapbox here, but at that portion of this... No, story, go ahead, Jim. I like hearing it's, it. It's just unbelievable to me. I, no, I, we're on the same page. It, it's, it's, just, it, it's just crazy to me. To, it's a crazy story. And unfortunately, I have to believe, maybe I'm a cynic, I have to believe Clarence Thomas knew she was doing it. I mean, I don't, I don't know if that's something you keep from your spouse, I, I, but I would assume it would have to come up at some point just in talking. I think, I think he does need to tread very lightly on this, for no question about it, because it, it's, it's not right, for one. I mean, I don't think his wife should have done it. However, it isn't him, so I'm trying to, trying to be fair there as well, because she's the one that did it. It's her text messages. He didn't do it, so do you punish him? I, I, don't, I, mean, I don't think you can I, really punish him for it, but... Let's do a little devil's advocate and back up one step here. And let's say that she just had this communication. She said to her husband, hey, I'm going to talk to Mark Meadows and uh, tell him this. But he, in his mind, thought, oh, man, my activist wife, she's she's going going wild again. 
He's still going to form his, his own opinion, a good solid opinion. That Obviously, he may have the capability to do that. You know, not really going to create a, a, a real bias toward him. It, it is possible. Certainly someone that lives with someone that's an activist. Maybe he just is, a, you know, a good free thinker on his own right and, and just, you know, thinks that way and, and can make that decision. But uh, it, just, it just seems uh, certainly out of the norm and uh, something that we have a hard time digesting. Maybe she, she did say, you know what, I'm not going to tell you what I'm doing just so I don't put you in that position. Blind ignorance, I guess, but I'm sure he had an idea of what she was doing, but if he had no actual knowledge of it, maybe she did that for a reason. Maybe she didn't say anything to him about it. Maybe, okay. maybe yeah, maybe he told her, you know, I don't want to hear this. You're right. Well, maybe he said that, uh, you know, or even maybe he can just listen into that and then still make his own independent choice. You know, he is a judge, you know, Supreme Court justice. He could make his own his own judgment, I guess. And Emma, what's going on in the world this week? Here's that there is a man in Germany who got 90 COVID-19 shots in order to sell forged passes. Jesus Christ. 90? 90. 90. <laughs> a 60-year-old man allegedly had himself vaccinated against COVID-19 dozens of times in Germany in order to sell the vaccination cards um, oh. to people not wanting to get vaccinated themselves. Interesting. Well, if anybody didn't want to get the jab, <laughs> yeah. here's an indication. That... I can't imagine what 90 of them would do to you. They're definitely yeah. going to have some studies on him. Boy, I hope he doesn't say he got COVID four times. <laughs> I can't believe that. 90. And you said he was in Germany? Mm-hmm. Yeah, six, in Berlin. 60-year-old six, oh man. Wow. So I, I'd be curious to hear yeah, what, what he made from it. You know, I often wonder when people are saying, oh, they got a card that was forged, did not imagine that they would be, be doing that, would be getting it from a man like that. Well, I hope, he, I hope he made a lot, to be honest with you. If he's willing to do that 90 times, I hope he made a pretty penny on it. Next up is a 10-inch knife was found in a baby's car seat at the Boston airport. They found the knife... It was a long butcher knife, and it was wedged into the side of a baby's car seat at the security checkpoint. So Boston's Logan International Airport. It shows you, you know, those times when you're annoyed why they're looking through things and getting everything out. Obviously, in this case, we don't know if it was intentional or that. Obviously, you'd prefer More that than nobody... likely it was. Yeah, you'd prefer that nobody would be on your plane with uh, with that. It shows <laughs> you that sometimes you got to give in and, and let them do their job. Yeah, so TSA New England tweeted, pack your knives properly in your check bag and you're good to go. Okay. <laughs> good tweet. What is wrong with people? Really, I mean, really, what is with people on this? I mean, what kind of parent sticks a butcher knife in the baby's car seat? I mean, think about that. Think about the parent. Well, isn't that, you're thinking back to Goodfellas and uh, what is it? It's always a, a baby bag is what they use to bring, they bring bring cocaine through. And that, they figure that maybe things will be checked less if they go through that way. But Yeah, I wonder if they confronted her and she was like, oh, sorry, I misplaced it. Yeah, come on. How do you explain it? Come on. I like how they said, uh, you know, just put them in your bag. I, that's not how I carry my butcher knives around. But, no. <laughs> but, uh, I don't think uh, I normally fly with my butcher knife. Check that's the, not my carry-on. Check them in the in the, in the the check bag, I guess. Okay. Next up, at the D.C. Roast, New Hampshire's GOP governor skewers Trump as crazy. He said, Donald Trump is crazy, and joked that if the former Republican president was admitted to a mental hospital, quote, he ain't getting out. <laughs> I can't. I can't say I'm shocked hearing that from a new, from a New Hampshire governor, but well, whatever. GOP governor, you said, right, Emma? Yeah. Yeah. That's Chris yeah, Sununu. Sununu. Him and Sununu, they've gone back and forth. They've, okay. They've, they've fought quite a bit. Live free or die. Yeah. 
And wow, that that's a governor. There's only I think 50. those two have a history though. Okay. I assume I assume President Trump called him a loser or something like that at some point. Gotcha. Loser gotcha. sounds right. Next up, Sarah Palin joins 50 others in running for the Alaska U.S. House seat. Sarah Palin on Friday shook up an already unpredictable race for Alaska's lone U.S. House seat, joining a field of 50 other candidates seeking to fill the seat that was held for decades. Well, she, I'll, I'll, I'll say it. She's nuts. <laughs> she, I'll say it. I'm not scared to say it. She's nuts. Let's think back and the, and the fact that they picked her to, to join John McCain um, as a running mate with John McCain back in the right. day. And then thought it was kind of neat and interesting that there was a female candidate on the GOP side and, and that she could see Russia from her, her, her back deck. But everything we've learned since is, what do you say? Yeah, see, Looney Tunes uh, is what we've heard a that's lot what of I'm since. Go with, yeah. 50, favorite, though, that's quite a bit. That's quite a few people. My favorite quote from her that I recall when they when when she was asked what what magazines do you read or publications do you tend to read every day and she said all of them. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I mean. She she's had a lot of good sound bites over the years. I'll tell you. I like that answer. What using that <laughs> Isn't that a good one? They, uh, I think it was Katie Couric kept pressing her, kept pressing her. So well, which ones? I read them all. It doesn't give a breakdown of of are, are they all Republican? Um, let's see. I find it hard. Well, I mean, Alaska's Republican state, but. Well, I don't know. I'm shocked there's even, I didn't even know there was 50 people in Alaska. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty desolate up there. (laughs) It's like one person per town. (laughs) But I was just, that's, that's quite a bit. 50. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. The the winner Um, will get a hundred (laughs) votes. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. None of these really say what the list is all a part of. Next up, uh, not political. New vehicle. Well, I guess maybe this is. But new vehicles must average forty miles per gallon by twenty twenty six. That is up from the standards currently that are twenty eight miles per gallon. New vehicles sold in the U S. will have to average at least forty miles per gallon of gasoline in twenty twenty six. Under new federal rules unveiled Friday, the undue rollback of standards enacted under President Trump, they will apparently reduce gasoline consumption by more than two hundred twenty billions billions of gallons. That's well, I'm not going to do the. I'm not going to. I was going to say I'm not going to do the math on it, but I, I, that seems like a lot. No, 220 billion gallons. That's over the that. lifetime of the vehicle. Sure, think about that. I have it's it's 2022. I have one of the uh, for a midsize car. I have one of the most. I have a hybrid vehicle, and it gets 38. So I even my vehicle would not fit. I only have like a 12 or 13 gallon tank. It, it's so great how I hardly have five dollar gas. It's it's palatable. Forty. That would be. That would mean a heck of a change. That's a lot. That's a big change. And I, uh, you know, I get it. I, I know what they're trying to do. I, you know, save the planet and you know, rah rah and all that stuff. It, it has to be realistic as well. It's just four it, years. It, it from doesn't. Now. Four years from. Yeah. Now. Right. Yeah. It's saying that, that. It's saying that that's the max that can be achieved within that time period. So. I don't know. Maybe they're making crazy strides. I mean, I'm. I do like. I like the thought of it. I. I mean, I used to work for the Sierra Club, and they would always talk about what legislation could be passed to help with oil consumption and that. It is an interesting way to holistically start to impact some of that oil usage. I mean, if that that is a big jump, though. It is a big jump. If you got to haul a bunch of stuff, what I'm saying is, I have a mid-sized car. And uh, yeah. four yeah. years, and obviously we're rural folk. Boy, oh boy, that is just a, a big, big jump. Well, that's the problem. I mean, the electric vehicles in, in the cities might work. You know, in rural communities, I'd have to drive 30 miles to plug it in. 
Moving on, number of COVID patients in U.S. hospitals reaches record low. COVID-19 hospitalization numbers have plunged their lowest levels since the early days of the pandemic, offering a much-needed break to healthcare workers and patients alike following the Omicron surge. Here, here. I would say that's that's a good thing. Yeah. I got to admit that the medical uh, people in the medical business that they're able to get a little bit of a break here for hospitalization. Uh, really glad to hear that. Definitely. Unfortunately, you hear around the world though, like it, especially in the UK, they say the it's one in fifteen people ha- are currently infected with the new uh, Omicron, whatever, B2 variant now. Yeah. I saw China's lockdown again. Yeah. So it's moving through the world. It seems like we're about two weeks behind the UK. So hopefully, knock on wood, it doesn't, we don't have that same effect as they are right now. Yeah, I don't know the opposite of here, here, but <laughs> I'll, I'll think of it in the next two weeks if that's the case, because, oh, that'll be miserable if that's the case. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't. I'm. I'm. I'm over it. I. I think we're all over it. To be honest with you, and people are tired. And definitely. Well, there's also uh, been a big, big tournament going on, huh, Emma? Yep. Out of the Carolina Blue, Tar Heels go for title versus Kansas. It should come as no shock that North Carolina Kansas are playing for the national title. Their names compete with their intertwined histories are cemented on the short, short list of colleges' greatest basketball basketball programs. Coach K was KO'd. Um, North Carolina <laughs> takes out Duke yet again for the 48th time over 47 years of unparalleled coaching. Duke's Coach K takes the slow walk to midcourt and shook the hand of the North Carolina coach who beat him. After that, he found his wife, Mickey, and they made the slow, sad walk hand-in-hand off the Superdome floor. Uh, yeah, it was. I think I did read that these two teams have now their 50-50 and 50 against each other, I guess. It was 50-49. Yeah. to 49. <laughs> 50 to 49 Duke, and now uh, it was tied up 50-50 the first time they've met actually in the tournament, and it happened at the Final Four. Very interesting that, that that's the end for Coach K and his, his final game. But North Carolina kind of ruined both of his parties. His last home game, North Carolina yeah. beat him, and then, <laughs> they did. And, then the, and then they get to knock him out here, the uh, the tournament as well, to go on to the final. They have a good squad. Yeah. Go Tar Heels. Okay, a little Carolina blue for Joe. Good to hear that. More anti-Kansas than... Okay. Pro (laughs) North Carolina. South Carolina and UConn meet for Women's Hoops Championship. It's one of the most remarkable records in sports. Gino and his UConn Huskies are 11 and 0 in NCAA championship games. That is crazy. 11 and 0. It is. That that is a crazy, crazy program. It really is. Well, it is, and really what this is interesting here is that they will be matched now with, with South Carolina. South Carolina had kind of taken over UConn for a while. If you were in U.S. Olympian, if you were uh, moving in on the first round, all those types of things, so many of the players were dominated from UConn. And it just was such so dominant, they just rolled and rolled and won and won and won. And then there's been some cracks in it. First it was Baylor, and now it's South Carolina now has multiple championships Don Staley there has them. And so really interesting now that Oriana has made it back to the championship game against South Carolina. And I'm really curious to see how, how it'll go along. Uh, Joe, I heard from one of uh, your coworkers earlier in this tournament that South Carolina was favored by 47 and a half points in a ball game. And they covered. And they covered. And they covered. No, yeah, they, they, that is a hell of a spread to cover 47 points. But 11 and 0 will either continue or it'll, uh, it'll, it'll come to an end. All right. Well, good, good catching up on the news. Those were good to hear. Good work, Emma. Joe, we're uh, going to be coming up on a segment that, that we call Joe's Soapbox. And this week it's called Enough is Enough. What are your thoughts? Well, let me tell you. I just saw on the news, you know, the government now wants to spend another $10 billion on uh, 
more more COVID relief. You know, we can't afford the COVID relief we already have, the trillions of dollars we can't afford anymore. I mean, what is the what in the hell is wrong with these people? <laughs> I mean, think about it. We can't afford it. We can't afford it. We we don't need it. They're trying to offset the gas prices, blah blah blah. But you, we have so much unspent money that's already been, you know, allocated. We don't need. I mean, we don't need the ten billion. I mean, just reallocate the money that you already have passed. And if you're going to hand it out, then hand it out that way. But un- enough is enough. We 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 just can't do it as a, we can't do it as a country anymore. You know, you'd say a lot of it was to extra unemployment, those types of things. I'm sure there's a tremendous amount of other costs. But all the money that was paid to develop the the vaccinations and all those types of things, all the benefits that are paid to folks, all the different programs to pay businesses for their outage time, and that, those are not paid for already. Just because they've happened doesn't mean they're paid for. They will take years. For our federal government to to do it and possibly process and keep moving along our the larger and larger deficit times yeah. they won't they won't be paid at all we just keep printing money i mean we're at a 40-year high for inflation we we got to stop the print just printing money and just handing it out it's it's time to stop i mean 400 over 400,000 new jobs added this month according to the you know the jobs for over i think it's four four hundred and thirty thousand. i think or somewhere in that neighborhood so, you know, people are getting back to work. Enough's enough. No more money. No more handouts. Okay, you heard it here first, everybody. Joe says, enough is enough. Next up, challenge Joe for trivia. And we're going to have a listener who's uh, anxious to do so. Doug, can you hear me? I can hear you. Oh, all right. Welcome, Doug. It's good hearing from you. Oh, thanks. It's great to hear from you guys. All right, so it's Doug, it's Joe, Jim, Emma, and now Doug is joining us. We're going to say Doug is a, a devoted listener to the show and has been uh, has been hitting us up on all the social medias saying he wanted to get in on and be the, the first one to challenge Joe in trivia. Doug, you have yeah, a... That is correct. You guys are awesome. I'll enjoy hearing you. I, I know I can't beat Joe, but I'm going to do my best. Well, your best shot, Doug. That's all we can I ask. <laughs> I'd say you're the favorite, Doug. We're going to choose your specialist topic. Um, you had told me that it's Major League Baseball, and more specifically tonight, the St. Louis Cardinals. Joe, that may not be that bad a subject for you. I hear you are a Cardinal fan. That is correct. You know, we'll see, we'll have to see how it goes. Yeah, that's uh, right. I, Joe's a Cardinal fan, so I know he's smart also. <laughs> All right. Well, here's the lay of the land, everybody. Uh, Doug is on the line. It's versus Joe. There's 12 questions in this. You'll each answer six of them. Each of them have multiple choice answers, but I will read the question, and if you'd like to answer it before I give you the multiple choice, you can get two points for a correct answer if you answer it before the multiple choice and you answer it correctly. If you uh, just want to get, you'll get one point if you get it correct. If you jump out and shoot for it and miss, um, it will turn over to the other side and they will get a shot at There's well, fair. There's only two that have a bonus question in them, so each each of those will... That's right, I didn't get a chance to mention that, Doug, you're playing for uh, show merchandise, you know, the, the, as early as we get our show merchandise, you'll be the first to receive it. Uh, for... I'm excited. Okay, so what you'll do, Doug, you're going to start, since you're our guest specialist, uh, St. Louis Cardinals and Major League Baseball. Um, you're going to give me a number 1 through 12, and I'll ask you that question. Let's go with Albert Pujols, number 5. Okay, I like that. Number five, which power-hitting outfielder was traded to the Cardinals from the Twins in 1988 for Tommy Herr? Which power-hitting outfielder was traded to the Cardinals from the Twins 
1988 for Tommy Herr. Would you like to hear the choices? Yeah, let's hear him. I think I know, but let's hear him anyway. Uh, A, Lonnie Smith. B, Tom Brunanski. C, George Hendrick. Tom Brunanski. Okay, Doug, boom. He gets he gets it right. That's one point for Doug. All right, nicely job, done, Doug. Doug. Joe, uh, any anything 1 through 12 except for 5? How about 12? Who, this is, uh, there's a couple of questions that don't have any, they're not necessarily Cardinal questions. These are just Major League Baseball questions, and number 12 is one of them. Who is the last... MLB rookie to win the batting title. Who is the last MLB rookie to win the batting title? Ready for the options? Yeah, let's hear them. A, Chris Bryant. B, Jack Clark. C, Ichiro Suzuki. And D, Freddie Freeman. I'm going to have to go with A, Jim. Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant did go from, uh, what, Rookie of the Year, then MVP, but did not win the batting title that year, and it is C, Ichiro Suzuki. All right, Doug, you can choose either uh, anything except for 5 or 12. Let's go Stan Musial number (laughs) 6. I like the strategy. (laughs) I like it too. Which of the following Cardinals hit four home runs in one game? I did not research if this is the only Cardinal to have ever done it, so I'm going to go ahead and read the choices to you, okay? Okay, sure. A, A, Stan Musial, B, Keith Hernandez, C, Ray Lankford, or D, Mark Witten? Mark Witten. Mark Witten is correct. Very good. Another one Doug for on the board. Doug is on fire tonight. Doug is on fire. I should mention that uh, – that, I am the commissioner of this trivia contest, so whatever I rule goes, okay? If there's any discrepancy or anything like that, uh, just realize that that is the case. Joe, choose a number. Uh, Let's go with one. According to Joe is our broadcast tonight, and Joe's going with number one. Which of these former Cardinal broadcasters was admitted to the broadcaster's wing of the National Baseball Hall of Fame first? I'll read you the options, Joe. Yeah, you better. A, Harry Carey. B, Jay Randolph, C, Joe Garagiola, or D, Jack Buck? I got to go with with D, Jack Buck. Jack Buck is correct. Joe is on the board with a point here. Jack Buck, Doug, you can choose 1 through 12 other than 1, 5, or 6, or 12. Let's go number 2, Red Shandies. Oh, my gosh. That is a great one because (laughs) listen to this question. This St. Louis Cardinal second baseman wore number two for nearly all of his career, which, <laughs> which spanned from 1945 until his trade to Milwaukee in 1956. He has nearly... All right, I'll stop there and just say, Doug, nails number Doug. two here. He gets two points for it. So Doug is up four to one right now. Impressive, Doug. Impressive. He's tough. Joe, three, three, four, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. It's here. How about four? Which player finished second in NL MVP voting, but did not hit a home run for the Cardinals in 1987? Which player finished second in the NL MVP voting, but did not hit a home run for the Cardinals in 1987? I can give you the choice. Better have the options. A. Jack Clark. B. Vince Coleman. C. Ozzie Smith. D. Tommy Herr. C. Ozzie Smith. That is correct. Well done. Joe bailed himself out on that one. Nice. I heard it on the tip of Doug's tongue. We're able to move on. <laughs> Joe, 4-2. to two. Doug's still in the lead. <laughs> Doug, 3, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. Let's go 3, Edgar Renteria. <laughs> Let's see if I did something with that number on this one. No. <laughs> I doubt uh, that one. In 1983, which player was traded from the Cardinals to the Mets 
to ignite a heated rivalry with this National League opponent? Keith Hernandez. Keith Hernandez is correct. Doug, solid again. A two-pointer stretches it out to six to two. <laughs> Joe, he's trying to put things out of reach here. Seven, eight, nine, ten, or eleven. It is his specialty subject. It is eight. Let's go with eight. Who was the first Cardinal pitcher to strike out over three thousand batters in a St. Louis uniform? I'm going to say Bob Gibson. Bob Gibson is correct. Joe got one nailed here. The choices were Bob Gibson, Cy Young, Mordecai, Three Finger Brown, or John Tudor, and Joe nailed it. Bob Gibson. So that brings it back six to four, and we'll go back to Doug now. Seven, nine, ten, or eleven. Two of these have a uh, bonus, and the bonus is worth one. If you pick one, Joe will automatically get the other one. Let's go seven, JD Drew. Oh, I laugh every time on that. Which Cardinal won the 1971 National League MVP? Joe Torrey. Wow, that is correct. I thought for sure you'd need the options there, but he didn't. Joe Torrey, 1971 NL MVP. And for everybody, Doug, how old were you in 1971? I was all six years old. Six years yeah. old. So it's not it's not from remembering it when you were six. It's uh, You've learned it since, clearly. Cardinal tradition. So... Doug stretches it out to 8 to 4. Joe, 9, 10, and 11. Reach, I think. I'm trying to get in here. <laughs> well, there's some bonuses coming. So, let, let, oh, that's let, true. 9, 10, or 11? Uh, 9. Okay, 9 is one with a bonus. So Doug will get the 11th question then. That'll also have one. Joe, okay. on April 23rd, 1999, a Cardinal third baseman hit two home runs in the same inning. Who was it? Then for the uh, specialty, the, there's a bonus question. That if you know that, what was special about these these two home runs? On April 23rd, 1999, a Cardinal third baseman hit two home runs in the same inning. Who was it, and what was special about both of these home runs? You oh, want the boy. options? Oh, um, but I got this. No pressure, but I know this answer. <laughs> so Joe, if you if you, I realize it? it's it's eight to four, and you feel like you probably want to guess without the options. If you do miss, I do. Yeah. Doug has the chance to steal. I am going to try to, I'm going to, I'm a little bit of a gambler, so I'm going to okay. try and guess uh, Jose Oquendo. Okay, that is incorrect. That is incorrect. I will give you the shot at the, do you know what was special about both of these home runs? I, okay I, do, you, I you don't. don't. Okay, Doug, uh, it comes over to you. Okay, it's Fernando Tatis. Okay, that is Senior. correct. And Senior. <laughs> 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 what, what, what is special about both of the home runs? Okay, you already said they're in the same inning, correct? You, you said that part, right? They're, they're in the same inning. There's one more thing yeah. that's special about that. They're, they're against the same pitcher. Okay. And it's Chan Ho Park. Is that, is that what you're looking for? Well, they were both home runs, and they also had how many players on base? They're both grand slams. Grand slams. No, Very good. No, I'm sorry. They're both – is that right? That's correct. That is correct. Yeah. They're all correct. against the same pitcher, too. You're unstoppable, Doug. All Chan right, Ho Doug. Park. Doug, he knows the pitcher, Joe. He knows the pitcher. He does. This he is, does. This he's, is, he's on it. This is his specialty topic, and I think he has put this one out of reach, but we're still going to finish <laughs> finish it strong. We're going to be sending him some merchandise. All right, Doug. Absolutely. Number 11, Freddie Freeman was a five-time All-Star. This is the other non-Cardinal uh, question. Was uh, a five-time All-Star, the most by any Braves first baseman. Who is second? So which Braves first baseman is second to Freddie Freeman for all-star appearances? And then what is his nickname as the bonus? Do you want the option? Let's go with the options. The options are A, Chipper Jones, B, Fred McGriff, 
C, Dale Murphy, or, or D, Matt Olson? I'm going to say Fred McGriff. Fred McGriff is correct. Very good. And what is his nickname? Crime Dog. Crime Dog is correct. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> the Crime Dog. Doug. I'm going to count him up here. I didn't think there were this many points possible, but he's got 13 <laughs> points because of that, that big steal there. Because of the bonus. So yeah. 13 to 4. And, Joe, you have one question left. It's out of reach, but you're going to try it anyway. All right. How, ma- how many World Series championships have the Cardinals won? A. Oh, I'm sorry. Go, go, if you want to guess without the options, you can. I'm gonna, give me the options just to... A, 18, B, 11, C, 4, and D, 0. And I will say that they are second most in the Major League Baseball yeah. to the to the Yankees. They have the most. Is it 18, 11, 18? 4, or 0? Doug? It's Doug 11. Is that right? It's 11. 11. It's 11. Okay. <laughs> Doug can't give you the extra points for that, but you don't need them. And for our first... Beat Joe in trivia, <laughs> Doug, <laughs> with a whitewash of Joe in that specialty <laughs> subject. I know you were the favorite, Doug, and uh, we're impressed with your uh, trivia expertise here. We'll be sending you out that, uh, multiple pieces of merchandise. That was a true drubbing. On <laughs> fun. Oh, Doug, thanks so much for not only being a, a devoted listener, but as well for uh, joining us tonight from the hinterlands of Spring Valley. Yeah, yeah thanks, Doug. I thank you, and I enjoy it. Joe, next time you want to maybe use Emma as a uh, call, I don't know. Phone a friend. Uh, yeah, I might have to use Emma next time. Absolutely right. Thank you. I can guarantee it would have been no help here. <laughs> but if it's Cardassians next time, I will be there. I'll, be there. Uh, no, I'll get my wife for that one, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot, Doug. Have a good week. Thanks and, uh, so much. Thank, I appreciate thank, what you guys do. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Have a good night. You too. Thanks. Thanks. All right. Good night mm. to Doug. That was a great uh, <laughs> uh, great topic there. Doug took charge very well. Was uh, was pleased with that. Joe, I got to admit, uh, drubbing, you said it. You didn't even make me call it. There was a, a strong performance. I was absolutely abused. Uh, <laughs> Doug knows his stuff. I don't think he can be topped in Cardinal trivia. No, he capped things off well here. It's good to hear that we have good listenership out there, and they're, uh, they, we can tell they're bright ones too, Joe. They're, they're out there listening. Oh, yeah. Doug's uh, he's as sharp as they come. He's, he's quite a trivia buff himself, Jim. Uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap this one up. Joe, I know the uh, our broadcast here, according to Joe, we definitely want to make sure and leave you the last word. I want to thank Emma for all her help, both with uh, some contributions along the way and taking care of the news out here tonight, making sure we're all updated with what's going on in popular culture. Joe, how are we going to wrap up tonight? Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Tune in again next week. We have some really good topics coming up, really good. And, uh, yeah, we have great staff, Emma, Jim. You guys did a great job as well tonight. Thank you, Joe. What we'll be doing is uh, we're going to be adding a new new topic next week, too. It's going to be called What to Watch. So each of the three of us are going to share something that we recommend our listeners to get out there and watch. And this is Jim saying good night, everybody. Good night.